Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, guys. Welcome back to Growth Minds. Uh, today, we've got a special guest here today, Amir Blumenfeld. Welcome to the show. Thanks right. for coming Nailed on it. all the way from LA. Yeah. Good work. Thank you for having me. Uh, so I, I, obviously, it's a crazy time right now. I, uh, I understand uh, things in LA are, are shut down like crazy. How are you spending most of your time these days? Uh, days are relatively the same. You know, wake up around eight or nine, try to catch up on little things, do some sort of exercise work until four or five wonder what's happening for dinner eat play mario kart fall asleep repeat mario kart nice nice are you cooking at home usually (laughs) uh yeah between cooking and like pre-prepared meals like we had a meal delivery service so we like are constantly getting food delivered to us so in between that yeah blue apron style or like frozen food from trader joe's or whole foods and we're staying, staying fed. I never actually tried. I, I have friends of mine that have tried Blue Apron, but uh, it's it's not completely prepared, right? They give you all of the. You still need to do effort, like basically, you still need to cook and put in the effort of actually making the meals. Yeah, that's why we graduated from Blue Apron to more like ready-made food that like we just have to like heat and eat as we <laughs> get get lazier and lazier and lazier. <laughs> Before you know, you're just gonna order pizza. Pretty much every day. Yeah, or like a service that will eat for me as well. <laughs> yeah, no kidding, no kidding. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's definitely getting to that time where I think in the beginning people were starting to become super motivated. You know, it, it was like this uh, productivity porn that people were putting up on Instagram, where like, oh, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna learn a language, I'm gonna get shredded, and then I think like a month in, people were just like fuck it. I can't do anything. I can't do any of this, you know? Yeah. It's hard to be motivated when you don't see anybody. So you're just like at home going a little crazy. Yeah, man. It's tough. It's tough. Um, yeah. Are you, are you living alone right now? No, I'm living with my girlfriend and we have a dog. So minimal responsibility. I feel for the parents out there that have to like spend their entire day, like homeschooling their kids and dealing with that. Um, I can't imagine how exhausting that is. Yeah, it's crazy. My uh, my older brother just had his uh, baby last night or yesterday. Wow! It, wow. Yeah, yeah. It, it, we couldn't even see her. It's a it's a it's a daughter. Yeah. So, uh, but nothing. Yeah, we all I've seen is photos so far, and it doesn't even seem real. You know what I mean? Just because I've seen just yeah. photos, I've heard of her. I don't even know if it's like any of this is is really happening. But um, anyways, thanks for uh, thanks for making the time, man. So I've. I've watched some of your videos uh, when I was in college, actually. I think, is, do most people know you from College Humor? Is that where most people know you yeah. these, still these days? That was, uh, yeah, between the Jake and Amir show and uh, our podcast, I would say that encompasses the majority of people knowing me. Right. And Jake and Amir is, was still part of College Humor, right? 
Yeah, it was like a YouTube show on College Humor's channel. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, it was a it was a hilarious show. It was like the it was one of the many shows that really got me through kind of my last years in college. Um, and nice. I know you guys were you guys were interns when you guys first started. How, how did that first start for you guys? Yeah, I was like a junior writer, and Jake was an intern in like two thousand five or six, and we just started making videos for fun. And then as we put them on like our private Vimeo account, College Humor was starting to make original content. And so they're like, oh, you might as well put them on College Humor and more people will watch them. And we're like, all right, sure, let's do it. And then as they were on huh. College Humor, more people watched them and got into it. And then we started making like one a week. Then we started making two a week and College Humor started investing more in the videos. And suddenly it was our full time job to make these Jake and Amir videos, of which we have like almost a thousand Whoa! So they brought you in as like a writer, I guess, or just helping you around mm -hmm. the around around the company, and that's crazy. Yeah, like writing articles, captioning photos, coming up with like video ideas. Not really as an actor in any regard. What was that like when you guys were first starting out? Was that was that kind of a a weird experience, or were you were you pretty natural at it when you first started? Uh, it was pretty fun. It was more like it felt like home videos that I would shoot in high school with my friends. So like, it never felt like acting. It was just like silly writing and acting things out. And I, ne I never took like theater classes or anything like that. So I was just sort of practicing learning on the go. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're very well written. That's, that's definitely the, the thing that I've noticed from a lot of the, a lot of the videos that, that you're in, I'm assuming you and, and Jake were both responsible for, for writing it. Yeah. Um, how does that work though? So you guys were through part part of College Humor, but it was like an independent project. Did College Humor buy the IP for that? Do you guys do you guys still own the IP? What was the structure around that? No, they they owned it because we were making them at work. So uh, at a certain point, we made it official, but the college rumors like, oh, we assume since you're employees, this is our show, and they just used the money that they made off the videos to pay our salary. No way. That's kind yeah. of uh, that's kind of dirty. <laughs> yeah, well, it wasn't entirely dirty, but like we were surviving in a gray area for a while, and then you know they were the the bosses who were like thinking more business wise, like which IP do we own, and like what do we what's considered under our umbrella, and we were just like these like twenty four year olds who were making videos for fun. At a certain point, those two things came to a head when we we're like we're going to go sell Jake and Amir to like a different website. And they're like, you can't do that because technically you work at this website. So luckily we figured out an arrangement that worked for everybody. Yeah. That's, that's always a complicated manner. I mean, I, I get it if, because I, from a tech world perspective, let's say if like engineers, if you're working at Google and you made some things like Gmail, Gmail was made through like an employee at Google. Google, I guess does own that, but Content is one of those things where you can you can just leave the company and you can kind of make that your own thing. Have, have you guys ever considered that when you guys were going through these discussions or were they just coming yeah. up at you and saying, we no, can, you can't? No, they never said you couldn't leave. We could always leave if we wanted to, but they were giving us a salary, which was very difficult to come by and like a, yeah. a, a official job in comedy in New York plus benefits so like we had health insurance so we felt mm. uh, very comfortable there like there was a chance we could have taken a risk and be like all right never mind we're going to develop something else for something else some somewhere else 
but there was always the risk of like failing and then suddenly you're not making that steady cash and suddenly you're you have to start paying for your own health insurance and when you're like 26 that's kind of a scary proposition in new york too yeah yeah just you need as much money expensive. as you can get just to survive yeah it's yep. insane well was it was it at a point where it was just kind of starting when those discussions begun to happen where you guys weren't quite sure if you guys could make it on your own or was it already gaining some traction? It was already gaining some traction, but to leave college humor meant to stop Jake and Amir since they technically would like be fighting over that IP. It's mm. like, we're going to go to court over that. Then college humor was already purchased by a bigger company called IAC. So we sort of just all um, coalesced under the same umbrella Jake and I continued working under College Humor, under IAC, and then we, you know, we would get branded deals, so they would be able to pay us some extra money that way. So we figured out a way to, you know, make everybody happy. Right, right. And IAC, I'm like a nerd when it comes to like understanding the kind of the companies that own these different media companies. But IAC also mm-hmm. owns Tinder, right? It's like the company that owns Match Group. Yeah, exactly. IAC is this billion dollar multi-billion dollar corporation it just feels so fake like when we in college humor got acquired by them we like we're working at an office with match.com and shoes.com and ask.com and it's like all these like websites that you've heard of tangentially but had no idea like what was going on yeah including match.com which later acquired tinder and you know a series of other dating apps yeah you know it's an old school app when there's like a there's only they only use abbreviations like iac you know, all those like old yeah. school companies like CNN, MSN, right. IAC. Just the name. I, just even what it stands for, like Interactive Corp sounds like the evil company in like a RoboCop movie or something. I know. I know. I'm sure it's there for something else. And then they, I've heard a lot of companies do this. They just change it as, as like the times change or something like that. <laughs> right. Or they come up with the acronym. Super inappropriate. And yeah. Back into it. <laughs> Yeah, I know. There's, uh, I, I recently read uh, there's this big drama, which, which I'm sure you've heard of happening between Barstool and uh, what's that show called? Guys We Fucked by, oh. I think, these two girls. Was, uh, something Daddy, Tell Me Daddy, or just Tell Your Daddy, or something like that. Call, call, call Her Daddy, I think, I think is what it's called. Call Her Daddy. Yeah, 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 yeah. With these two girls. And it was like the number one podcast at one point that just yeah. kind of blew it out of the waters. And it's it's similar to what, I guess, what was happening with you guys through College Humor uh, in terms of yeah. you guys were part of this like big media network. And it that, that really blew up for you guys. And I think these girls are now trying to negotiate this um, way to just keep their IP. Are you familiar with any of that? I'm, I'm not exactly sure what's going on, so I don't want to quote anything. Vaguely. Right. Yeah. Same. I'm not, I'm vaguely aware that there was some sort of contract dispute or negotiation dilemma where Barstool uh, was sort of acting against those two ladies who were hosting the show. I guess everyone wants to feel like they're the reason this thing is big. So like the ladies are like, we don't need Barstool and Barstool's like, we don't need these ladies. And then that eventually comes to a head. Yeah. I mean, I, it, it's hard to say, right? Cause I, I feel like, Part of me feels like you kind of needed both of each other to get get it to that yeah. point, and I feel like if one person yeah, was missing, all or the other. yeah, yeah, I'm sure, 
if we brought Jake and Amir to a different website, it would not get as much traction as uh, it did at College Humor. And I'm sure if College Humor started a new web show, wouldn't it be as big as the Jake and Amir show? So it felt like a good synergy. And is it from a College Humor or these network perspectives, are they mostly providing a built-in audience that they can start distributing your channel to? Is that the most of yeah. their benefits? Yeah, well, they would pay our salary, so that was a huge benefit. They would give us health benefits, so there's benefits right there. And then in terms of distribution, they had a huge channel and then became a huge YouTube channel, so they were helping us as much as we were helping them. Yeah, 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 that makes sense. Um, cool, Mel. Well, how, how did you get into this? So I understand... A lot. Of, you spent most of your time in LA, right? So this is something you've always wanted yeah. to do. Um, what was the kind of road to getting into media, comedy in general, and all the things that you're working mm-hmm. on, working on now? Well, I grew up in LA, so I was sort of vaguely around Hollywood and that whole universe. Then I went to school in Northern California at Berkeley, and then when College Humor was got a book deal in 2005 I was graduating from college so they hired me and Streeter to be writers on that book and that moved me out to New York for about 10 years and at that point it was just scraping things together based on college humor connections it was the Jake and Amir show then I was hosting a show with Streeter on MTV called Pranked and then I started this podcast with Jake in like 2013 and then we eventually moved out to LA in 2015 so it was just like trying to stay busy, trying to avoid like a different real job and then eventually spinning off into other things and grabbing our audience via social media and taking them to our podcast and then grabbing that audience and trying to create a podcast network for ourselves, which we did in 2015 in LA with our buddy Marty, who we met at College Humor. Mm. And that's how HeadGum got started. Yeah. So tell me about HeadGum. I I understand it's it's a podcast network which would you say that it's it provides like a similar benefit to what a bar stool would provide or what a college gym would provide, which is like the distribution for for new podcasters? Yep. Yeah. So Headgum started in 2015 with our show and about nine others, uh, just using our connections in the comedy world to friends and family who we thought would have good podcasts, and then uh, since then we've grown to about 30 shows. We have offices in New York and LA. And that's great. Man. Headgum is, you know, try, we're trying to build a solid brand. So like shows would want to be under the Headgum umbrella for not only distribution, but, you know, an era of legitimacy, because there's a difference between starting a Headgum show and starting an independent show by yourself. They both have pros and cons, but we're hoping that we're like building a brand strong enough that artists would want to be associated with. Yeah, that's that's. um Similar to, well, I guess I've seen these different parts. I don't, I don't want to name any of them, but um, is is with HeadGum, are you guys trying to find entertainers first? Is it like entertainer-driven where you guys find the people that you want to work with and you create something from scratch? Or is it something where you just bring people into, uh, you bring existing podcasts that are already doing well and you bring them into your network? So at first it was the second one when you were like, let's just... Uh, hear pitches from people. If anybody wants to be on the HeadGum Network, let's say yes to everybody. We're trying to grow and see, throw stuff on the wall and see what sticks. After a certain period of 
time, we realized that maybe we were taking on too many shows, maybe we were taking on too many smaller shows, and that started like diluting what we thought HeadGum was about. So since the first couple of years, we're trying to be extra mindful of keeping the roster at around 30 shows, and we're now starting to develop and create our own shows that we assign hosts to. So the idea mm-hmm. of HeadGum Studios, which launched last year, is about creating shows and IP that we do own, finding hosts for those shows, and paying the host regardless of um, an ad sale split, almost like as talent. We have about five HeadGum original shows right now. Oh, that's awesome, dude. So you guys, because you guys have obviously like experience of developing and you guys are trying to become the IAC of, uh, of podcasting, right? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Or at the very least, college humor. I don't want to compare you with you guys. Yeah, you guys have a legit name, not IAC or CNN <laughs> any of these <laughs> initials. Yeah, <laughs> shit that you don't even understand what it means. Uh, that's cool. That's cool. HG HGN Headgum Network. And what I mean, thirty is a lot. I gotta say, thirty is is. It's, it's, it seems a lot. I'm not sure exactly. I'm sure you guys have a system to make sure all these are as successful as possible. Um, for people that are starting podcasts, are you guys mostly comedy focused, by the way? Yeah, mostly comedy focused, younger leaning than most podcast networks. Younger More millennial trip. Gotcha, gotcha. And what is the, from what you guys have learned so far, is there like a formula or... Uh, some sort of pattern that you guys have seen that can generally not guarantee, but at least certainly increase the chances of a successful podcast. Cause it really seems all over the, all over the, uh, all over the air in terms of yeah. what becomes successful. That's right. It is kind of hard to predict. And that was part of learning um, how to grow a network at first. It's just like, Maybe uh, the idea is really important. Maybe the host is really important. Maybe the host had to have been a podcaster already. Uh, so we were just sort of trying a bunch of things. I guess what works the most is um, like grabbing hosts that already have popular shows because like a podcast audience is so much different than like a social media audience. Mm. We've seen these like influencers um, try to launch podcasts and even if they have like 10 million Instagram followers, they don't follow them to the podcast world. And we've seen some people that don't have very big social media followers following numbers at all and have great podcasts with a huge dedicated fan base. It just, there's not a lot of overlap between those two types of consumers. Why is that you think? I think because if you like someone on Instagram, it doesn't mean you want to listen to them for 45 minutes and vice versa. So we got a, one of our biggest shows is the Doughboys, and it's Nick Weiger, Mike Mitchell, two incredibly funny people. They don't have like a massive social media following. They don't have millions of Instagram followers, but they have such a huge dedicated fan base to this show. And when you listen to it, you'll understand why, because like it's an incredibly unique, funny um, dynamic that they have. Whereas if they came up to us today and the show didn't exist and like, we want to review fast food chain restaurants, we wouldn't necessarily say, yes, it's not the idea that was incredibly novel, though it was at the time. What's special about them is the fact that uh, how they interact with each other. It's like you, you rarely hear two hosts of a podcast butt heads as much as they do and like also actively dislike the show that they're recording. So it's a, <laughs> it's a very silly, fun, fresh dynamic that they have not only with each other, but their fans. 
Yeah, there is something about podcasting. It is a different skill for sure. It's more conversational. You're not trying to catch someone's attention for 15 seconds or five seconds with like Vine or, you know, TikTok. And you do need to have some more relatability, I guess, when you're, when you're podcasting, which is a, which is a very different skill. Uh, I'm not sure if you know Lewis Howes. He, he hosts uh, School of Greatness. It's like a podcast. Uh, but he says something yeah. interesting. It's, it's a big podcast, and he says something around uh, for Instagram models or, or any of these like big social media celebrities. When someone, when a fan wants to meet them, the immediate reaction is to take a selfie, whereas for podcasters that they can really relate to that are longtime fans, they want to tell you their life story and it's a very different relationship it's a more deeper relationship for for people that are in their ears for you know almost twice a week right for like an hour not not for five minutes they feel like they're friends and they feel like they're like living life with us we have we do live shows and they're like i'm here how's this how's your dog doing how are your parents it's like they feel like they're part of our our uh, I'm a part of their lives because for five years they've been hanging out with me and Jake every week for an hour. It feels like you talk to us more than you talk to some of your friends. Yeah, it's crazy. Are you used to that yet? The fact that some of these people know more about you than some of your really good friends. Yeah, I'm getting used to it. Um, we do less live shows now just because of the crazy coronavirus of it all. But yeah, it's always fun to actually go out and see what. 500 people listening to your podcast looks like because you see the numbers on iTunes and it doesn't quite Mm -hmm. register. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even if you have like 10,000 listeners, that's like a theater, right? Like a theater can host. Yeah. It's like a small sports arena. (laughs) How crazy is that? It's insane. Wow. Um, so you and you and Amir, you so you and Jake, you guys go out to do these live shows, and what is is that just like a ex- similar, very similar thing to your actual show where you guys kind of riff on each other? Do you guys do like stand up uh, individually as well? Uh, no, it's no, don't do stand up, don't do sketch, it's just the podcast. Just the podcast, okay? Huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh. Yeah, I guess people, it's the, it's the exact same thing so people can just be there live, I guess. And they've developed enough of a relationship yeah. with you where, like, that's, it seems entertaining, I guess. Like, whenever I do these, I'm like, fuck, like, <laughs> this don't, these don't seem interesting at all. And then someone, someone like, would send me a Facebook message or an email and be like, oh, man, this, like, really resonated with me. I loved it. I'm like, all right. <laughs> it just doesn't seem like it, yeah, you know, exactly. when, whenever you're doing these. Because you've been with yourself your whole life, you don't. You're not novel or interesting or exciting. And then you hear from a friend or a fan who's enjoying your work. You're like, all right, great. I'm glad you appreciate it. Yeah, it's a different story. It's a different story. And and podcasting itself is uh, is coming into a completely different whirlwind. I'm sure you've heard of um, um, Joe Rogan getting that exclusive deal with uh, Spotify. What was your first reaction when you first heard that? Uh, just like wow, that must have been a lot of money. <laughs> it's a lot of zeros. Go exclusively to Spotify. Can't imagine what they would offer him. It kind of you know reminds you of like the Howard Stern uh, thing with Sirius or XM, whatever it was at the time, where they're like, "How much would it cost you to leave everything?" I guess it's enough money. Like like even if this thing backfires, I can just move to wherever I want and retire. Yeah, you know it's a lot of money when you don't hear a lot of people asking whether it's per year 
or whether it's like a multi-year deal because it's so much money that whether it's like five years or, or one one year it just does not matter because it's just so much money right yeah it's crazy player money at this point. like five for 145 whatever the fuck it ends up being you're just like all right that's enough after after let's say 80 million it just all feels like gravy yeah, that's that. There is the fu fu money kind of kind of number that you reach at a certain point. I mean, that's why um, I know you're a big NBA fan. I know there's a, with the Last Dance, there was like this whole big um, controversy with Pippen and and Jordan, and obviously the, like the salary differences between them when Pippen was like the second best player, and um, and there was like this big gap in terms of of their salaries. And I think Jordan was underpaid as well, just because I guess he was getting so much money from Nike, and he just didn't care at that point. Like he wasn't he wasn't really doing it for the money. Because at a certain point, like you mentioned, like what's the difference between five million, you know, between that five million? <laughs> if you're getting paid forty million or fifty million dollars a year, I think he was trying to chase yeah. the chase the ring. Have you you've seen the Last Dance? Obviously, yes. And uh, I actually just talked to the director of it for my podcast, uh, my NBA podcast. So that's been that was a fun chat what we had with Jason Hare. Yeah. Oh, that's sick, man. What was the um, yeah. what were some of the insights that he talked about as he was filming? Um, that I, uh, the Michael Jordan interviews were three days total. So like every time you see him, it was either on day one, two, or three. Um, we don't, they only agreed to two days, but they had so much like stuff that they wanted to show him that they had to go back to his house. Mm. Um, so like the whole like watching stuff on iPads had to have been done a little bit later than everything else. Um, some like they talked to a bunch of NBA stars that the story just didn't quite go there, so they couldn't use interviews with like Tony Parker and Dominique Wilkins um, because for whatever reason and like go too deep into the the um like nineteen eighty eight dunk contest or whatever. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, it, it, you figure it's tough to get something out of a guy like Jordan as well, because he's he's just known as such a uh a type A player that doesn't really show a lot of emotions. At least you would think so. Uh were there strategies that he's t- like you asked him about? to get him to that emotional place because in two days that's literally not a lot yeah he said like the whole ipad thing came about when he actually showed him on his phone one day like a youtube compilation of jordan getting into fights with people and he's like he realized his reaction to the video is so much more visceral than just like asking them questions so they started like you know egging him on a little more it's like here's a video of your mom talking about like a letter you wrote her in college here's a video of gary payton talking about you and that sort of got his competitive juices going Interesting, interesting. Yeah, I guess that's how some of these podcasts would bring on clips of like the actual of the actual thing. I mean, this is something that I wanted to do when we were here live, but uh, it's kind of hard to do it virtually. I find, but yeah, yeah, that definitely works. Um, yeah, I mean, the last thing I wanted to talk to you about, Amir, was you know around this idea of well, I guess. Right now in, in comedy, there there's kind of this gray line, right? Which is, do you do you have to be politically correct while trying to trying to be political while trying to you know get on that line of 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 being funny and playing that risky game when it comes to comedy? 
how have you and some of the people in your podcast network navigated around that? Because it's a pretty tough thing to navigate towards. You don't really know if you're going to offend someone or if you're going to you know, piss someone off. How have you personally yeah. dealt with that? Uh, I don't know. I guess I, in a podcast, I just speak my mind and I don't have too many like really complicated, offensive opinions. Uh, I'm sure there are some things that I think that I probably shouldn't say out loud. And those are the kinds of things I keep to myself mostly, but I wouldn't say I'm censoring the majority of my thoughts and feelings. I have some friends in the comedy world that don't want to like even say anything political, like even against like the current administration, because like they don't want to just open up that can of worms. Uh, I have some friends who are just like constantly like, you know, tweeting things that might or might not be illegal. And it's just different ways of navigating the same uh, universe. Uh, mostly if you just keep it consistent, it doesn't seem to hurt your career. I don't know. I'm, I'm not really a stand up comedian or sketch comedy or an actor so i part of it is just me not being famous enough like i can't tweet something to get canceled because i don't know if enough people even <laughs> read what i'm saying anyway so I, there's less even if you try they're just like me. yeah like, pay attention to I'm me stuff and like nobody seems to care it's annoying <laughs> but, like i watched curb your enthusiasm this year and like larry david is doing some stuff i'm like jesus like this seems like really offensive to like overweight people stuff that like people don't usually make fun of, but like for whatever reason, it's Larry David. Everyone's like, ah, oh, this guy's all right. Yeah. Yeah. There's like certain types of people that get way more, sh- they just get shit on because of, I don't know, their, their, of who they are, like their level of fame or oftentimes their race. And it, it's just like a very, it's almost biased sometimes, you know? Yeah, I'm not quite sure the rhyme or reason there, but I'm very hard to offend. So, like, I'm never going to err on the side of, like, I can't believe this person said this. Let's cancel this person. For me, I'm pretty open-minded about freedom of speech and freedom of expression. And even if you say something about me specifically, I won't I won't get very offended. Yeah, yeah. Have you guys ran into anything like that in any of the podcasts that you guys have started or in your network? Uh, like people saying stuff that's over the line? Uh, no, just like people overreact, like fans overreacting and trying to, uh, you know, there's this whole like cancel culture these days, right? Of Like fans just overreacting to something small that you said. Right. Not really. We haven't had any uh, um, social cancellations on our network yet. Can't wait. Yeah, it's coming. It's coming for sure. <laughs> I'll, I'll try. I'll see what I can do for you. <laughs> cool, man. Well, what's uh, what's something that you've got coming up in the next little while uh, over the next year? I, I, mean, I feel like everything's going to be delayed these days, but let's say in 2021, what's something that you're looking forward to? Uh, yeah, more HeadGum Originals. Um, we want to grow the network, get some big names and cool shows on the roster. Hopefully... I mean, there's probably something for everybody. So whether you're a movie fan, we have a movie podcast called We Hate Movies. If you're fast food or foodie enthusiast, check out the Doughboys. Uh, Nicole Byer, hilarious uh, comedians on our network. Why Won't You Date Me? Star Wars fans, Lord of the Ring fan. Check out Newcomers, uh, which is Lauren Lapkus and Nicole Byer watching Star Wars for the first time and documenting nice. their journey. Oh, watch the, uh, what's their recent something. movie. Uh, what's it called? Oh, which one? The, the wrong Missy? Oh, the wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lauren. 
Lauren has a headgum podcast with Nicole. Um, that's doing great. That's a headgum original, for example. Nice. Um, nice. Yeah, hopefully more of that. Cool, man. Cool, man. So it sounds like most of your time now, or at least focuses, is more on growing headgum. That seems like to be the main focus. Are you heading towards more of like the business role then, or like more of the manager role? I try to do 50 50. I don't like stop podcasting myself, but at the same time, I do. I am interested in development and helping people launch their shows as well. Um, so, yeah, try to straddle both worlds. Nice, nice, man. Well, I think podcasting is really the next big thing. I, I predict in the next five to 10 years, we'll have, whether it's Joe Rogan or whether it's someone at Headgum or whether it's another big influencer, I think there's going to be someone that has a billion dollar exclusive license. Whoa. I think. So like the LeBron James of podcasting. I think so. Yeah. Maybe it won't just be (laughs) solely for like an exclusive license. Maybe it's like a compilation of like all these different things. But I think if Howard Stern could get 500 for like five years with Sirius, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Apple or any of these like companies going huge on podcasting will uh will come up with a billion maybe it's iac who knows <laughs> can't wait Look, they're gonna buy me back <laughs> yeah imagine like full circle just them buying you back that'd be hilarious <laughs> and since they believed in me back in the day i'll give them a discount honestly 900 million is enough they don't have to give me the ah uh, you're, too, you're too nice man build. you're too nice <laughs> and, and 100 million for taking back to jake and amir right <laughs> yeah you can have that hundo yeah yeah awesome man well it's great to have you on here uh where can people find you i know you've got all these different things happening what's like the main place where people can find you online uh my instagram is amir my twitter is blumenfeld and then just check out headcom beauty beauty yeah well, we'll link all those down below and um, thank you guys so much for, for listening. Thanks for coming on, man. Thanks for making it all the way to the end of the show. Hope you really enjoyed our guest today and that you took one thing valuable from our conversation. If you haven't already, I would love it if you could leave a quick rating or review on whichever network you're listening to the show and share this episode with one friend if you found it valuable. And if it's something that a friend, a family member, or just someone that you care about could find a little bit of insight from what you learned today. All right. Ciao.